How do you explain Conway's game of life during the introduction of the code retreat? In this episode, you can listen how Kerry Haynes did it. Hi, my name is Peter Kofler. I'm the code cop. Obviously, I'm fanatic about clean code, and for many years, I tried hard to develop quality software. Eventually, I had to change my motto to developing quality software developers. In this podcast, I will answer questions about facilitation, hosting, and participation of cottage or any kind of hands-on session in general. If you have any questions regarding your cottage please send me an email or leave a comment. In 2011, Corey Haynes facilitated a cottage in Cleveland, and the introduction was recorded. Corey Haynes is one of the people who invented the Cogitreat and he spent a lot of time making people aware of the format. So if anybody can do a good introduction, it's probably him. This is part two of the recording. I have added it to the podcast because there are answers to important questions about facilitation and participation. It is a classic. I encourage you to watch the original recording. To make it easy for you, I extracted the audio and put it here. Enjoy. So today, that's it. The logistics of the day <coughs> basically go like this. We're going to start 45-minute sessions. We'll have three in the morning before lunch. We'll have a nice long lunch. And then we'll have two or three in the afternoon, depending on energy level Excuse me. and time. Sometimes we'll take the last session and extend it by another half an hour so that you can actually feel a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day because it is an interesting experience for most people to be throwing their code away every 45 minutes. Um, speaking of which, after the 45 minutes, buzzer goes off. I disappoint you greatly by standing up and saying, hands off keyboards. And then I confuse you by saying, delete your code. <laughs> and then you stand and not be able to touch the keyboard, but still delete your code. And then we swap pairs. We, take a, we have a small little, with this many people, we're actually going to be split sort of into two groups each session. And then we'll have a small <coughs> kind of quick retrospective. Anybody see anything interesting? Here's some things that that Gary and I saw, some things to watch out for, some things to think about, you know, don't use an array, things like that, and just some ideas. We swap pairs and we start again. So there's usually about a 15 minute time between sessions, usually end up with about five minutes of break. And then we start 45 minutes, end of the 45 minutes, delete the code. Swap pairs, small retrospective, back in. And it's a very quick, quick activity. It's a quick day. Um, it's a tiring day. But in general, I've seen people get a lot out of it. And that's pretty much the, the uh, logistics of it. It's simple. The end of the day, we have a, we'll have two groups, but we'll have a, a sort of a closing circle. And there's a couple questions to think about during it. Oh, one thing I do like to ask is, so primary day-to-day -day language and languages that you're comfortable in, that you could sit down and write something in, it's important to kind of know, we generally, we're language agnostic, 
Whatever the pair wants to write it in, feel free to write it in that. Uh, so, how many people here are you know, very comfortable or comfortable enough with like C sharp? Could do it. And have an editor that they feel comfortable set up in. Okay. Um, Java? Okay. And look around as you do this to see the people. Ruby? Good. Python? Excellent. Okay. <coughs> Try to go and do it pair with somebody in a language you're not used to. At least once or twice today. Yeah, Angela's good. <laughs> if you are a Ruby developer by day, I implore you to go pair with somebody who's doing C sharp and pair with somebody who's doing Java, pair with somebody who's doing Python. Spend you know half of it doing Ruby, but also go out there. If you've not spent a lot of time in those environments, it will really expand your mind to see what a static language looks like and how to work with it. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting, fun activity. If you are just, you know, if you've not had a lot of experience in like a Ruby or a Python, go pair with somebody in that. Um, you can write the worst, craziest stuff, and on average in 22 and a half minutes it goes away. So it doesn't matter. Today's the day to sort of expand your mind, work on doing things really well. And uh, that's about it. It's about 9.15 right now. Any questions? Oh, um, some of the rules. Oh, I guess. It's the one thing I don't have written down here. I know the rules. Okay. Isn't that enough? Okay. Um, so Conway's Game of Life. I guess it would help if I, we went over the actual problem. Conway's Game of Life, it is what's called a cellular automata. And basically what that is a fancy term for is a grid, a two-dimensional, take the, take the uh, two-dimensional lightly because it's sometimes fun to expand that rule. But it's basically a grid where you have cells. And each cell is considered on or off or alive or dead. So if you look at something like this, this is an easier way to look at it. And the black ones are considered alive, the white ones are considered dead. What then happens is you calculate the next generation of it. So basically you have a board and you calculate what the next board is going to look like. And each cell either dies, stays alive, comes to life, stays dead, depending on its state, according to some very simple rules. And the rules we'll have up here are these. The Wikipedia Conway's Game of Life, I imagine everyone will want to have up as well. And don't just put in Game of Life, because that goes to the Board game. The board game. <laughs> That's good too. That's good too, but we have to say Conway's game of life. So the rules are for every cell in your universe or on your grid, any live cell that has two live fewer than two live neighbors dies in the next generation, as if by <coughs> underpopulation. 
Number two, any live cell with two or three live neighbors, and there's eight neighbors per cell. So diagonal counts as well. Lives on <clears throat> to the next generation. It stays alive. Number three, any live cell with more than three live neighbors dies, as if by overcrowding. And then four, any dead cell with exactly three live neighbors comes to life, as if by reproduction. And that's it. So the whole day we're going to be working on this problem, coding it, trying new things with it, trying new approaches, new places to start. This problem was picked because it is too big to finish in the 45 minutes, but it's simple enough for you to actually grasp and get some interesting things. And the domain is very rich. There's a lot of different places to start. I had one team in Seattle, I believe, that ended up with a system that had a basically a re, uh, replaceable topology, which meant they could just swap in and out six-dimensional spaces and orthogonal grids and things like that, just by doing TDD and really pulling things out well. Um, yeah, so this is the problem. That is all for this episode. I'm Peter Kofler and I wish you luck with your next code retreat or hands-on workshop. If you have any questions regarding your code retreat, please send me an email or leave a comment. I'm looking forward to hear from you how your event went. Code retreats are awesome. Let's have more of them.